Hello and welcome to another episode of the Death Thing Podcast with you, your hosts, Sean and Nicola. Awesome. So in this episode, we've got, I would say, a very intriguing topic. Uh, and actually, I don't know how to title it and we're going to figure that out later, but it's along the lines of, you know, dealing with loss, dealing with loss. And we're going to tell you what kind of a loss. It's a very, very hard to take loss and again yes not hair loss we've dealt with this before it's fine you're gonna be fine people okay you know don't worry um shave your head exactly and the loss of not coding anymore so what am i referring to well let's say somehow it happened you don't know how but you became a manager right and all of a sudden i'm not gonna say overnight but all of a sudden you don't code anymore or you don't code production code anymore and you know panic what should we do now what do you do now so anyways sean since you're in this position longer than i am what do you do now well i mean the reason that we don't code day to day is because we have other things that we need to do as far as meetings and planning and it's not that we literally don't have a few minutes here and there to write code. But as we know from being coders, it's impossible to do anything productive in little spurts. You really need a huge open schedule to be able to do anything like that. So that's just a fact of life. But I mean, there are a couple portions to this. Like, where are you in your career and in your mindset? Are you in a place where when given an opportunity to do to move into management, you would say, no, I'd rather code and that's fine. And you may want to be there the rest of your life. For most of my career, I didn't want to ever be a manager. I only ever wanted to write code. And I found it insulting that some people had the opinion that if you are just a programmer, that that limits your growth. I think there is and should be a place for top tier programmers who are not management to have a place in a really good company and they do, but there's something about having the ability to work with good people who you can help to use your experience and use your knowledge to help all of them improve and become a more cohesive team. And by doing that, and I think we've mentioned this on the show before, the whole concept of a 10 X programmer. There's someone that's 10 times better than everyone else. Well, that may or may not be possible, but one way that's definitely possible is if you mentor and manage 10 programmers and you treat them like they deserve to be treated like humans, like you are. And like you were when you were a programmer, you know what motivates and it varies from person to person, but in general, it may not be what a non-programming programming manager thinks of, you know, what their problems are. You know what they don't like about company structure and management. You know what the hardships are with programming. And when something's over time, you know why it's over time. And just the fact that you know that and you can articulate that to them and have these conversations gains a lot of trust. And trust is what you need with the people that you're managing in order to really get anything done and have respect because and I don't mean respect like they call you sir or they treat you deferentially. I mean the kind of respect between two close friends where neither one of them is necessarily a superior, 
But when you have conversations, you each know where the other one is coming from, and therefore you're able to be productive. So I know I've run way off the rails on this, but I guess my point is this is why managers don't have time to code, and this is what we're doing instead, which is super valuable. And you mentioned not writing production code, but you can still code. You can still code personally, of course, and you're going to be doing code reviews if you know, you're a decent manager, you should be involved in that. But also you get to work on proof of concept projects. You get to play around with little bits of research. If you read about the newest, coolest thing, you can invest an hour in writing a little dummy program to learn it and then bring it to your team. And you have to be mature enough and have enough self-confidence to say, hey, look, here's the seed of something. I can't finish it for whatever reason, because I don't have time or whatever. And instead of feeling like I'm inferior or I have failed in some way because I'm not able to actually see this, see this through, you can confidently say, I have a great team. I'm going to pass this on to them. One of them is going to pick up the torch and they're going to carry it to the finish line. And I played a supporting role in that. And there's a lot of pleasure to be gained from doing that. Love it. Love it. You basically honestly addressed probably every point that I wanted to make. <laughs> so that's Sorry. awesome. Yeah, no worries. Um, to actually maybe extrapolate on this one for the 10x. So, you know, I always like, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest. For some very long time, I was like, yeah, but who's going to do all this, you know, huge amount of work that I do as, you know, only myself I'm able to do. And that was that was very much wrong. Because as you said, so, okay, you're a 10X programmer, fine. So, you know, what? How can you scale yourself past the 10X? Honestly, you can't. You're probably not even 2X, but, you know, let's not get into, into it. However, if you, with your knowledge that you've gained over the years, and by the way, just total side note, I really believe that every engineering manager should maybe code a bit at least on his own side or at least if nothing else should have coded previously in his career because honestly how do you manage somebody who never coded i mean if you never coded yourself you're just gonna you're not so you were in the trenches with the, the team before so you know how it is right so yes definitely managers who don't code or never coded oh dear god anyways moving on and okay so you're a tech 10x step right but imagine this, what if you have all of a sudden a team of 10 developers that are all 1x devs, so to speak, right? And what if you can, with your knowledge, uh, advice, whatever, have you, in, quote unquote, improve them by 1%? What do you get, right? Well, all of a sudden you get them cohesively to be 10 times 1.1x and it's actually funny because when you get them on this path of improvement, so to speak, oh man, they're going to get so much better than you ever thought. They're actually maybe most probably even going to surpass this elusive 10x you that you thought you were so great or whatever, right? And not only that, when you get this, when you get this feeling of personal development or, you know, team development spirit in your team, it, it can, it only goes upwards after that. So that's what I saw. And that's what just makes me 
all fired up because of all of this because honestly i thought that i'm gonna miss coding you know daily and uh that i don't know how i'm gonna do it and everything but now now when i see all this improvement in you know certain people i, I honestly look got goosebumps now i love it i just freaking love it so it's actually it's funny because one of our one of my direct reports so to speak and i don't like to call them like i actually call them my team members told me you know what nicola if you know you don't do good with this coding or everything you you can just start like you know personal development company <laughs> i was like okay <laughs> okay but yeah it, it's funny as it may sound a lot of it comes with that although some people call it woo woo bullshit right but then again yes there is something there because uh depending on your as you said your motivation what drives you every every person has something that drives him so if you figure that out you can help them there and you know as a consequence they're going to grow at work as well done yeah, definitely. And there's a thing called the Peter Principle, which I don't know if we mentioned on the show, but it says everyone gets promoted up to their point of incompetency, right? Like if you're a junior dev and you're really good, you get promoted to be an intermediate dev or a dev. Then if you're intermediate and you're really good, you get promoted to be a senior dev. And if you're a senior dev and you're really good, you might find yourself as a team lead. And then if you're a good team lead, you might get yourself promoted to become a manager. Okay. Just because you were the best junior dev does mean you might be a good mid-level dev and so on up. But when you get to the point, say you're literally the best programmer in the company, which I'm not saying either one of us is or was, but let's say we were. Then saying, okay, well, I think you'd make the best candidate for a manager. That's just not the case. And it you know, gets kind of messy there. But I think if you attack the problem of management the same way you attack the problem of development, then you have a good head start. Like, for example, when you're into coding, you want to care about things like understanding how the computer works a bit. You want to know a little bit about RAM and you want to know some basic things about concurrency. You want to know about things that are efficient and inefficient in code and different ways to implement things. You want to know about having standards and following whatever the guidelines of your language are and all the stuff. We, we've kind of mentioned other stuff, even stupid stuff like tabs versus spaces, right? Then... In management, we have all that stuff too, but they're called productivity, they're called memory, they're called time management, they're called software development philosophy, like we've been talking about with, you know, the, the handbook and things like that and the Phoenix project. You know, the tabs versus spaces is time management. You know, so if you have that right kind of attitude in mind to be a programmer and you can be interested and curious enough to apply that to these things, then that's great. And let's, so the reason I started on this was, you know, hypothetically, let's say I got this job because I was the best programmer on the team, right? Even if that's true, then you have to be prepared to let go of that. You have to be prepared to see people outdo you, outperform you in some way or accomplish something that maybe you didn't accomplish or didn't finish because you're not working on it anymore. They're going to keep going. They're going to complete projects that you would have liked to have started. They're going to learn things that you didn't have the opportunity to learn because you didn't work on that project. And it's, it's hard on the ego, at least for me, I don't know about you or if you've been doing it long enough to get there, but I've definitely, you know, I came in with more experience than the others on the team, more years in the industry. 
and I mentored and I gave code reviews and I shared my ideas and I pointed out things about the way that we worked, not about people or individuals or their code, but about just the way the IT team worked that I thought were subpar and helped make some changes and some improvements. And I kind of got this reputation and respect for knowing what I'm talking about. And what I have seen over time, and especially more recently, is I'll go to do a code review and someone else has already said the thing that I would have said or the mistakes that I, or not mistakes, but maybe corrections and little changes I would have suggested in the past. I can clearly see they've already done that. And you have to deal with the fact that they're getting better. They're approaching your level of skill or maybe even surpassing it. And you have to be able to go through your day without feeling like somehow you're not good enough or you're obsolete now, or maybe you've worked yourself out of a job because there's an infinite amount of stuff that you can do as a manager for your people and for your company. Cause I feel like I have two bosses. I work for my team and I work for my company and in that order. And there's, if you look for it and if you're creative and if you care, you can find stuff to do that is even more rewarding and satisfying in the big picture than fixing a really difficult bug. So it may not be for everybody, but I don't know if I'm just older or have done a certain amount of programming. My brain says, okay, I kind of feel like I got a handle on this. What's next. But you know, if you're interested and you have the opportunity, I think it could be a good jump and it's not, you know, you th- people think of managers as, oh, they don't actually do the work. They just go to meetings and drink coffee. And it's actually not true. Totally. I drink tea. <laughs> uh, totally not true. Totally, totally, totally not true. Um, what's maybe different is, I would say, I won't say stress. I would say a different level of uh, what you're worried about is uh, kind of like gets into the picture. And I want to just re-emphasize the part where you were totally right you as a manager now basically work for your team you are there to make their job easier if they have any issues problems concerns whatever have you they're going to come to you hopefully they're going to come to you and actually you have to work towards that so that they feel enough trust in you that you can actually help them with whatever they're dealing with and if you get to that point i would argue you're doing a good job and there's that yeah definitely make sure that they know that and from my perspective i've as a programmer i've had managers that were kind of crappy coders that were good coders that were not coders at all and i have to say if i have a manager who is not a coder and could not understand what i did day to day They didn't have to be able to do it at my level because maybe they haven't done it for 15 years or whatever. But if they can't understand it, they never had my respect because I I can love them as a person. They could be my best friend, but I can't trust their judgment. And by that, I mean, if they're going to be speaking to upper management or making promises to the CEO of the company or the CTO or standing in front of the board of directors, for example, at a previous company where there was a board of directors making promises and timelines that I'm expected to fulfill. You just can't work like that. It's not a sustainable life. Exactly. In a way, in a way, 
your job is also to basically shield your team from um, unreasonable deadlines and everything because you have to communicate this for your team with the PMs, higher-ups, and yeah, stuff like that. So yeah, anyways, it's definitely challenging, but you're going to love it, you know. If you like people, you're going to love this. Yeah, it's a lot more open-ended with a programmer. You've got tickets and you got features and you got bugs. So there's no surprise and there's not a lot of decision-making. The way you implement it should be entirely up to you. But what the company needs and what's broken today are not up to you. But unless – if you're in a bad situation, like you've got a lot of turnover going on or a huge amount of software defects or major problems in your company, then as a manager, you know what you have to do. You have to work on fixing those. But that's not the position – that I find myself in right now, I find myself in a position where things are going great and I have to look harder to find things to do that are going to be visible and make a big impact. And you have to be able to deal with ambiguity like that. You have to be able to make your own work. Don't expect that you're going to get a list of, okay, here's your new title. Here are your responsibilities. As long as you do everything on this checklist, you're good to go because that's not this life. Oh, yes. And also, so again, for example, you're a programmer and you did 10 tickets this week and the last week you actually did just one. You know for a fact that this week was great, right? Or if it's the opposite, you know, you did 10 tickets previous week and now three weeks in a row you're doing two, hey, something's wrong. However, as a manager, this kind of, let's call it immediate feedback, oh, forget about it. You will not get the immediate feedback. Oh, you want to talk about imposter syndrome. I've got, I think, probably worse imposter syndrome as a manager than I did as a developer. Because, as you said, your accomplishments can be way more measurable. And even if other people don't understand what you're doing, if you fix their problem or added the feature that the customer wanted, you're a hero. Even in your mind, you're like, oh, I could have done it better if I was a good coder, but like, you know, I hacked something together. But either way, you got the job done. But there's no real measure to say, how good you're, how well you're doing as a manager. I mean, okay, you can maybe measure things like turnover and if people are, they say people don't quit jobs, they quit managers. So maybe there are a couple things you could measure, but for the most part, you know, if, you know, my boss called me in the office tomorrow and said, explain to me why we should keep paying you. What have you actually done for us lately? Um, I could say some stuff, but I don't know if I could put numbers on things, you know, and give actual facts and figures. I could just talk about the team and how well it's doing and how people are happy and how people aren't leaving and how there aren't breakdowns in processes and there aren't interpersonal conflicts going on. Um, all of which are things that are great and all of which I was involved in making happen or improving. But of course, nothing I can take full credit for. I'm not the guy who went around and made all the people that work for the company, nice people that aren't having interpersonal conflicts. You know, I'm not controlling people with puppet strings. We have good people that are doing good things. I like to think I'm helping, but I can't really prove it. Yeah. Great situation to be in, right? Yeah. Imposter syndrome for the win. Yeah. Anyways, in case you don't know what's imposter syndrome, go check out our other episode on the imposter syndrome. Excellent. I love it because we're turning almost approaching 50th episode. And by now we can actually link to other episodes that we already did. Anyways, we've probably, we haven't drained this one. We could talk on and on and on about it. 
but um yeah this is what we have for you right now so you know sean is already in it i'm sort of you know i mean probably i'm doing it like what nine months now at least and from the very very anxiety kind of like how am i gonna do this to the very because i started seeing you know improvements so to speak and i love it you know i honestly love it yeah it gets satisfying i would say when you see other people grow as you say and oh yeah that ego part forget it you know uh you're actually i would say that you want to i would say if you don't see people improve that's a very red flag so yeah yeah, actually, you said something about forget about the ego, and that's a great point. If you're a developer or you do QA or anything like that, if you're doing a great job, it'll be obvious. If you're a manager and you're doing a great job, you should be invisible. Nobody should know or really feel it or realize it. You know, it's probably like maybe it's closer to um, being an infrastructure person, right? If all the servers are running fine, none of them ever crash or run out of memory, and you're the best in the world, people are like, why are we paying that guy? So I guess it's a new, uh, a newfound connection we have awesome. with the infrastructure people. <laughs> awesome. Anyways, that's it, guys. If you have any questions, hey, ping us. Probably we haven't addressed something that you want to know about. So, you know, until next time, that's all. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to the DevThink podcast. You can contact us at info at DevThink. That's D-E-V. T-H dot I-N-K. Now, go accomplish something.